As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. This is Talk of the Devils, the Athletics podcast dedicated to Manchester United. I'm Ian Irving and I'm in the back of a car just outside Burnley. Andy Mitten is with us and he's on the world's biggest ship. And Carl Anker's also here and he's up in the sky. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, how are you doing? What an advert this is for modern <laughs> technology, eh? It's remarkable. Uh, never a dull podcast. Never a dull recording space. You're just at home, Carl, actually, despite the fact that you are up in the sky in your skyscraper. You are at home, which is far more normal than me. I am actually in the back of my car uh, at Burnley's training ground and waiting to do the press conference uh, with the manager uh, in about an hour or two. Um, and Andy, you are actually on the world's biggest ship. That wasn't banter. No, I, I am. I went to Villarreal on Tuesday uh, to cover the Liverpool game. And then I got asked in January to review the world's biggest cruise ship and uh, that's what I'm currently doing, and it's um, it's big. Um, the sea outside, yeah. you can tell I'm a real expert on writing about uh, such matters. But yeah, I am. I'm, I'm in the Mediterranean, and um, this is actually a working trip. I'm sure you're all getting your little violins out and playing them now for me. Uh, normally, I would have been at Madrid last night for that game. I've been to all the other Madrid Champions League games, and uh, I didn't. I watched it on television like the rest of us. And obviously, there will be a lot of sympathy towards Manchester City from people listening to, to this podcast because, um, once again, they've failed to, to win the European Cup. And I am sure that Manchester United fans, while not having a great love for Real Madrid, will probably want them to win in Paris. Yes, I think we all agree with that, don't we? That's one remarkable thing that's happened in the last 24 hours. But another remarkable thing is the sale of Diego Maradona's shirt from facing England at the 1986 World Cup and the Hand of God goal, the shirt that he was wearing when he scored that goal was sold for £7.1 million. Absolutely ridiculous. Steve Hodge has gone from being an ex-footballer to a millionaire in the space of a two-week auction. Remarkable, Andy. I can see why people would want to own this shirt, but £7.1 million. Is there any piece of Manchester United memorabilia down the years that you'd even think about paying that much for? With Manchester United memorabilia, I've written a lot about it over the years. The Holy Grail is the programme in Belgrade in 1958, just before the Munich air crash, that will go for thousands. And there's some serious collectors. Their, their collections 
are just like, wow, this is what they do for for their living. Uh, I collect badges. I'm, I've probably got 600 enamel uh, badges, but I'm not in a, like a serious collector mode like some of these people. My Uncle Charlie once um, gave my granddad a program which he gave to me from a United game in 1948, a friendly against Linfield in Belfast. And he said, look after it. And it was valued by one of the collectors because I know him at 75 pounds. That was in 1995. And then I lost it. And then I found it again during lockdown. And it's worth a lot, 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 lot more now. So I've got no reason to ever sell it. I wanted to buy the Charity Shield winner's medal from my Uncle Charlie, which came up for auction for £1,500 two or three years ago. I couldn't really go much beyond that, and it went for a couple of thousand. The FA Cup winner's medal, which he won in '48, is still in the family. And Charlie let me take it into school um, when I was 13 or 14. And I took it into my physics class, and I wasn't good at physics. And the school teacher, rather than tell me off like he normally did, he saw this, this medal and he was at the game and he started to cry. And it was it was amazing. He just touching a medal from the 1948. And the FA Cup used to be a lot, lot bigger. And that was one of the great FA Cup finals. And it was Busby's first ever great team. But but through Charlie, I would get, he'd take teams on tours. He became a sort of tour agent. And I'd go out of his house and he'd give me like all his autographs. And it'd be like Kevin Keegan and stuff. and. I remember once going into school, primary school, and they'd say, has anyone got any interest, anything interesting from this week? And I gave them, and it was a letter from Matt Busby. And the, the, the head teacher didn't really like football or understand football, and thought it was Busby from the British Telecom adverts at the time. I was 10, I'm like, no, 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 he's, he's, he's Matt Busby, he's really famous. It's, it's interesting memorabilia. I know people who collect ticket stubs, a mate of mine who, who goes home and away for years, I won't embarrass him, but he's called Grant Cass. And he collected figurines, <laughs> right? Figurines of United players. And he's not an oddball, Grant. You know, he was always like, people used to say he looked like Howard out of take that. All the girls fancied him. He was a cool kid. And he had these figurines in his bedroom. And when United lost matches, he'd turn them round to face the wall to punish them. <laughs> so he'd like he'd come back from like Southampton away if they'd lost, and like before going to bed at two in the morning, turn the figurines round to punish them. He's, he's gonna absolutely kill me. Yeah, if you're listening, Grant, I wonder if he still does it. Yeah, it's a great story. Only you, Andy, <laughs> could come out with a line. I'm not a serious collector of memorabilia, but I do have 600 enamel badges. <laughs> <laughs> That's a classic Andy Mitten line. Have you got anything like that, Carl? I've got a few enamel badges. So the author, Wright Thompson, came to Manchester just before... Well, came back to Manchester a couple of times after the Super League and the protest last year and just before Ronaldo's second debut. And I, I sort of served as an impromptu tour guide for maybe one evening. And he introduced me to some uh, Manchester collectors uh, and a few of them gave me some really nice enamel badges. So I've got a nice badge now that says I'm a Manchester United nut. I suppose now the the programme from Ronaldo's homecoming against Newcastle probably counts as a modern bit of memorabilia. So Laurie, if you listen to this, I hope you're hanging on to your uh, match programme there. I might be a bit of money soon. I kept most nearly all of my programmes from last season 
the games behind closed doors uh, and I donated a batch of them to a charity in Southampton. So um, there's a charity in Southampton that gives away old uh, programs to football fans in old people's homes as they, it shows that, uh, well, especially if you can get to, you know, local football fans or certain football teams, they can, it can help with memory and dementia. It's like, oh, you know, I remember that game. I was there. So uh, every season I give away a couple of my match programs there as well. So that's what I do with, quite a bit of my memorabilia. When I went to Milan last year, I met an AC Milan fan and he was an old ultra. He used to stand on the curve and he's in his 50s. And um, he brought me a, a present, which was um, a Manchester United piggy bank from 1969, which um, one of his family members had bought in Manchester before the European Cup semi-final. And I just thought it was such a beautiful thing to do and, and I will cherish that. But Carl, you mentioned Wright Thompson. He's a, he's a very distinguished American writer and he came to Manchester last year. And he got in touch with people around Manchester United. And, and I couldn't meet him, but I put him in touch with Mike Mike Duff, who's a poet from Manchester. And uh, Mike is a very interesting fellow. So Wright went to meet him and Mike said, I'll only meet you if you get the beers in. And like Mike drank like nine pints of Guinness. And Dwight um, uh, Wright absolutely loved him. He just loved him because he felt that this was the type of Manchester he was writing about very working class North Manchester. And Mike Duff is feels that like, if you're not from his estate, you're a sellout, you know, and if you're from like one mile away, Brian Kidd used to say this, he, he'd come out in a rash if he went south of Ancoats. And, and Wright really loved him and reflected this in the piece. And I suppose football brings all of these stories together, doesn't it? It's, it's people gifting and, and meeting and it, it, it isn't just the game. Football is an extension of it and there's so much sentimental value around memorabilia where people remember their first ever match day programme, their first badge, their first flag. They find stuff in the loft 30 years later. It might, reminds them of a trip to Wembley and it's a good thing. It's quite an innocent thing, but I like what it does. <laughs> Andy, you've got a piece up on The Athletic at the moment about Paul Pogba, whose season may have already ended by the sound of it, and whose Manchester United career may have already ended. Yeah, opinions are strong at the moment. I had a big piece on Ralph Rangnick at the weekend. I saw hundreds of comments to that. Same with, with Paul Pogba, and that's absolutely fine. We did a poll on United We Stand last week. 95% of people said, Enough's enough with Paul Pogba. It's time to go. We've heard it all before. We're just absolutely sick of him. Go, it's best for everybody. And that's fine. My job is also to try and bring some truth to the situation. So I got some perspectives from his side. Uh, he, he's got no relationship with the British media. He felt, for example, when they had a go at him, when he attended his brother's wedding with permission, it was just really unfair. So he has his point of view. There's two sides to every story. I don't think he's been a success. He hasn't. He's been a failure. He's, he's underwhelmed. But his perspective is like, this wasn't the dream I was sold either. It's not been easy with uh, some of the managers. Um, I don't think his agent, who sadly passed away, helped matters because he was very bombastic in the media. And you've got a, a complex situation under the cloud of failure. And I don't have any answers uh, to this. Uh, I suspect that he will move on. He still does have an offer from Manchester United as well. But you can see from, from the responses and from what you hear with people saying, I don't know how you feel, Carl, uh, and, and Ian, about uh, Paul Pogba. Um, 
he's just had so, so, so many chances. But he could have helped himself. His media relationship was not a good one because it didn't exist and it should have existed. And I, I've had people telling me for years what he's like. People who know him really well, like Patrice Evra, they're like, he's, he's a good guy. And here's why he's a good guy. And people at the club like him. But, but one person told me something quite interesting. He's a complex character. If everything's chiming together for him, then he's a great player. But if it's not, if something's quite out of sync, or if he's in dispute with a manager because he's not a sheep, because he does speak his own mind, then he can drag others down around him. So as a journalist, I think it's quite an interesting area to dig into. Yeah, that was one of the quotes that stood out to me. I'd got it lined up actually to read it out. He's a tricky person to understand. He's not a sheep. He can be a leader. He has strong and attractive traits as a senior member of the squad, a World Cup winner who can live with that huge transfer fee. He's his own man and people are attracted to him. He's an energy giver and players follow him through ups and downs. But when his relationship with Jose Mourinho deteriorated, when Paul didn't agree with him, he felt wronged and took other players down with him. That's almost a microcosm in a quote of, of Pogba's time that there are so many positives to it, Carl, but ultimately it's always followed by a negative. Yeah, yeah. I think we, as a you know, Manchester United fan base or English media, really misdiagnosed Pogba, both in you know how he played and his personality. It was only maybe a year, year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, where we, we really realised actually he might not have this sort of Roy Keane style drive to shrug off any sort of mistake and just keep going. I really, really, I, I wrote a piece about Paul Pogba, uh, I think a week before Andy's piece, where, where I came back to that argument over the Euros between Patrick Vieira and Roy Keane, where you know, Roy Keane's saying Pogba's a disappointment, he's unfocused and that's why he plays better for France compared to United, whereas Vieira went, well, actually, it's a, it's a thing like tactics if you look at France's midfield setup compared to United's midfield setup, obviously Pogba's going to play better there. And then it was after the elimination uh, against Switzerland where they both sort of agreed Pogba's a leader, but not the capital L captaincy leader that Roy Keane is. Uh, and I think there have been maybe two or three seasons where Manchester United have tried to make Paul Pogba more Keane-like instead of trying to find a Keane-like player to stand next to Pogba and help him out during times of uh, during the low periods, I think if you if you know we know some of the things that went on between Mourinho and Pogba, and depending on your interpretation, you can say you know Mourinho was right or Pogba was right, but you can also say I mean some of those statements are pretty far out. The virus comment, I think, was was probably beyond the pale. I think that uh, clip of Paul Pogba coming out for training. And then Mourinho goes, get out. And Pogba sort of turns around and says, what? Where apparently everything was fine in the dressing room. But the moment the cameras were on, Mourinho decided to, to, to make an incident. I think Mourinho knew that day that it was an open training session and that the cameras would be there. I think that made the biggest impact possible if he yeah, did that yeah. in front of the cameras and, that day. And uh, we also know there was once a, a conversation between them in the dressing room where Mourinho asked Paul Pogba to study Frank Lampard's game. It's ridiculous. It's not quite... Um... David Moyes saying, um, study Phil Jagielka, but yeah. Paul Pogba's a World Cup winner. Yeah, so you know, Mourinho asked Pogba to study Frank Lampard's game and Pogba made comments, that, you know, like, well, football's changed a bit since Frank Lampard was playing and I'm a different player to Frank Lampard. And also, we know that Frank Lampard, later on, while he was still Chelsea manager, made comments about Pogba being too casual 
when he picks the ball up from his centre-backs, to which you would say, well, Frank, you didn't have, really have to pick up the ball from your centre-backs because Makaleli did that for you. Pogba's never really had that sort of support. Um, it, it's all a sorry story of, of, I mean, I've been on this podcast loads of times, so just get Paul Pogba a, a defensive midfielder as he doesn't like defending. Stop trying to make him something he isn't. But also, I'm, I'm with Andy. Like Pogba hasn't helped himself. There have been times where you're going, speak out. The caption this <laughs> social media post that went out just after Mourinho was fired was, I mean, you can think that's either funny or incredibly poor taste. And there have been two or three times where, I've said this before, in the nicest way, Paul Pogba is quite passive aggressive. And English football and Manchester United especially, you cannot be passive aggressive when things are going badly. You have to speak up. Uh, and I, I think that's what's brought about this mess. I'd love to know what he's thinking now. I remember I did one of the first interviews with Pogba when he arrived back in Manchester at the start of that 2016-17 season. And it's easy to forget, really, just how much excitement there was around the fact that we'd got Pogba back. All the build-up over social media and so on was one thing. But actually, the, the, the genuine sense that Manchester United had attracted an elite footballer to the club, someone who was capable of leading what was essentially the new regime, the new vision, the new dawn of, of returning United to the top of English football. And he seemed well up for it. Speaking to him about it, he seemed genuinely engaged about it. He was excited about it. He was loving being back at the club as well at that point, or so it seemed in the interview. And it just seems a shame. And I think we've talked about it a lot on the podcast, but it just seems a shame, Andy, that, that that's the case. and It's not worked out. The headline of the piece is, how did it come to this? Carl mentioned social media. I don't think his social media has been that smart. And if the people are listening to this, I'll tell you to your faces. Uh, I think he doesn't even say he's a Manchester United player on his Twitter. And there's plenty of pictures of him in a United shirt. That's fine. But but come on. Something like that is not difficult at all. There are tiny, tiny things that should not matter. And you can see why, if you ask Paul Pogba, why did you do this? He would say, well, it doesn't matter to which you respond, but it matters to these people being all of the Manchester United fans. There was, I think there was a moment, maybe a season and a half ago, where Pogba was training and he was wearing a Juventus kit. And he's wearing a Juventus kit because he's got Matudi on the back. Matudi's good, uh, he's good mate. One of the defensive midfielders that does the dirty work for him for the French team and Matudi was, was injured. And obviously he's wearing that as a show of solidarity to his friend. You'd ask him, why are you wearing a Juventus kit while you're doing training? Well, what does it matter? And that makes sense to him. But then you'd say, Wearing a Juventus kit while you're doing training will annoy all of these Manchester United fans. Could you do something else? And it's that tiny, tiny little bit that I think just just death by a thousand cuts between the relationship between Paul Pogba and the fan base. You're totally right. And those fans are the ones paying his wages. It isn't Juventus fans anymore. It's Manchester United fans who are paying his wages. And... Part of it is he doesn't have a relationship with those fans. The only interaction he has with fans are people who he sees holding a stupid sign up asking for his shirt or people asking for his autograph. He doesn't integrate with normal fans and other players have done that. He's got no relationship with journalists and that doesn't help him either. I'll give you an example. After one of the Champions League games this year, I interviewed him for live television and he comes through and he stood in front of me and he doesn't know me. It's ridiculous because I know people really, really close to him and have done for years. And he gives me an all right interview, pretty good actually, but he's a bit guarded. And then one of his family members messages me an hour after the interview, said, I've just seen you on TV with Paul. I'm like, yeah. He went, did you tell him you're my mate? And I'm like, 
Noah couldn't because he's completely shielded from any normal human interaction where I could have said, oh, you know, we know so-and-so, we know, you know. I, I wrote Patrice Evra's book. Patrice and him are really, really close. But this is prevented from happening. So barriers are there all the time. They don't need to be. Well, you do have to say that he, he has reason to put some barriers up, you know. Let's not overlook the fact that his house was burgled. There was an incident. There was an incident where uh, a pretty offensive sign was written up by Carrington, you know, saying Pogba leave. And he is, you know, up until I, I want to say around 1920 was the target of a large amount of social media abuse. A lot of it was racist. A lot of it was Islamophobic as well. So you, you can understand what, and this is the, this is the difficult thing about Pogba and the Pogba situation is I can understand why he'd make certain decisions to remove himself away from the mess and chaos of Manchester United. But you can also understand or and get quite frustrated where you go, you have to try harder. And that's why we're in this sort of, it takes two to tango. And, and what we've got is a, a situation where both parties are like, well, should we just be done with it now? So find people who you trust. So what happened that night was Paul's family member texted Paul about me. Paul messaged him back, went, I didn't know. Ah, oh, that's a shame. Next time we'll do it properly. But there hasn't been a next time. Now I was asked to interview him maybe six weeks ago from a sponsor. Would you like to interview Paul, but you're not allowed to mention X, Y, Z, A, B, C, D, E. And I just said, no, this, this isn't journalism. This is PR. And he, he probably won't even know that this has happened. So you've all you've got all of these disconnects. And you say two to tango. You've not even come close enough to start dancing together with anybody because he's disconnected <laughs> himself. Because of the reasons you've said, he's absolutely got his reasons. But he's not the only one to blame for this. I mean, he'll be judged as a footballer, and I get that. I get the criticism. It's right. He's frustrated me massively. But what a shame it has come to this. Yeah, what a shame that it has come to this because it's not just him, like you're saying as well. It feels like over the course of the last six years since Pogba has been around that he's not the only footballer at Old Trafford who seems to have failed to fulfil his potential. I mean, the, one of the most startling bits of the piece, Andy, about Paul Pogba is the fact that he's 29. He's 29. I, I just, yes, I know that he's been there six years. He was he was young when he left. He was young when he came back. But he's 29. That His career, his glory years in theory, and now, and this is what's going on. I mean, you'd forgive him for deciding that he wanted to go elsewhere as well. And I think players like Marcus Rashford, like Anthony Martial, Jesse Lingard maybe to a lesser extent, Luke Shaw, there's a number of footballers who have invested their their youth and potential into Manchester United who we would have expected, I imagine, to be further on down the line in their development than they are. Paul's not alone, is he? 29 and he's gone five years without winning a trophy for his club. At the absolute peak of his power is all of his success has come with his national team. I don't think he wants that either. And I I saw his family outside the stadium in Stockholm. Uh, and not every family went to Stockholm for that game five years ago. They were so enthusiastic. They were making their way with normal fans. I saw them in the street. They were dancing. It was brilliant. It was beautiful to see. We're going to see Paul. We're really proud of Paul. And that was a great night. Manchester United win the Europa League, which was well worth winning. And then his only success comes with France. Admittedly, playing with better teams, playing with a manager who feels trusting more, playing in the position he wants to do. But does it annoy me when I'm sat there in Munich and he plays a ball? against Germany for France. Whoa, wow, why aren't we seeing this? And again, it's back to that sadness point and it's a shame that it's come to this.
This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. It's all getting a bit messy with Jesse Lingard now, Carl, as well. You're writing a piece about him and about his situation, which might have even dropped by the time this podcast reaches people's ears. But can you summarise it for us? Yeah. So, you know, Pogba, Lingard, FA Cup, FA Youth Cup class of 2011. Um, and, well, we spent mostly... Uh, Lingard doesn't make an appearance in the in the final home game of season against Brentford. And there's been quite a lot of social media conversation in regards to that, so we, we know Lingard's brother uh, posted a message saying "Tara" about the, the classless lack of respect about Lingard not making an appearance. Uh, Lingard himself has posted a photograph, quite cryptic, I'll say, of, of himself. He looks like he's, I'm not going to say how old he looks like, because by Lingard's own admission, photographs of him at 13 look like photographs of him at eight years old, because he's been quite, he's never been the most physically developed, <laughs> so I don't know how old he is in that photograph. But Lingard... In the United 21. Academy, uh, looking on, which, which is quite cryptic. It, it appears that you know he will be leaving on a free this summer, um, similar to Pogba. And again, it, it's a sad situation of a of a player and a club that the there's a disconnect. What could have been a lovely story or or a lovely end isn't there. You know, there's a. I think what's really interesting is Lingard. You know. There's a reality where Lingard got his goodbye against Brentford, waves everyone off and says, I'll see you somewhere else. Or even there's another reality where Lingard is featuring for West Ham in the Europa League semi-final and probably kicking on and making another claim for making that England squad. But what he's in is this half space where he's, I mean, we've known for quite a while and you'll probably admit he's never really been 
a Manchester United starting player for, for 30, 40 games a season, but he's loved the club for ages. And that love hasn't really been reciprocated to him for numerous reasons. And again, in that thing, similar to Pogba, his social media hasn't always been the best. Some football fans do not enjoy the J-Lings fashion brand or the J-Lings esports team or his sponsorship with, with a pistachio brand. Whereas, I mean, I, I definitely think a lot of the criticism to Jesse Lingard is about his off-field persona, not necessarily his on-field persona, because I think on the field he... I mean, on the field, he ticks off so many boxes of what a Manchester United fan says they like, right? You say you want a homegrown player, someone from your academy, someone who works really hard and someone who doesn't shirk the dirty stuff. Lingard ticks all those boxes. He's also been basically an enforcer and a protector for Marcus Rashford. And, you know, we talk about how United don't really care anymore when there's a scrap. Lingard's normally the first one in there to push people away and say, do you want some? I'm going to protect my boy. And yet there's been no Jesse Lingard chance uh, most of the time Lingard's called cringe or a man baby or embarrassing or saying oh look you're actually 29 why are you acting like a 12 year old uh, and I think that's sad Lingard's not blameless in this but I think there should and could have been more love between Lingard the club and the fan base what do you think Andy? I agree with almost all of that um, there's two sides to it I know that the actions of some of the people around him have annoyed the club um, this season really pleased for him when he went to West Ham and did so well. Maybe that would have been the best time to go from United's point of view financially as well. He he was a star in a top six or seven Premier League team a year ago. He was What value does that player have? It should be considerable. It should have been 25, 30, 40. You know, in, in a different universe, Manchester United fans would be watching him going, that Lingard at West Ham looks like a really good player. We should sign him. I know he's changed some of the people around him. Uh, he needs to be playing football, playing it regularly. He's not the first player who will leave the club feeling that things haven't worked out as he'd hoped. I'd actually think that's the norm. And I, I remember interviewing players from the 70s and 80s and 90s. And one of them said to me, we all get the ump when we leave because we all think we had more to offer. And it takes us between three, five and ten years to come round to thinking all right, that was maybe best for, for all parties. But pretty badly handled the fact that United won't get a fee for a player who's clearly got uh, good value. Um, there was some to and fro in January, uh, Everton, Newcastle. And the family are going to see it from the family's perspective. Remember Tom Cleverley's dad sending me a picture of his son aged 10 in a Manchester United shirt on the day he left the club. And he was, he was sad. We keep saying the word sad in this podcast. Yeah, it's the same sort of feeling, isn't it? Jesse did plenty for United. He had times when he was really on song, doing well. But I can remember writing about him at the start of 1920, doing a pretty fair piece and getting hammered for it. He's a disgrace, he's got to go. So I'm also seeing some hypocrisy from United fans saying um, it's a disgrace how he's been treated. I'm thinking, well, I remember your comment three years ago saying get him out the club now. I thought it would have been nice for him to get just one last run out the other night, to be honest. I, I, maybe I can understand, considering the subs that were made, why there could be some uh, bitterness and upset from that side. W one thing about Lingard that I've not wrestled with, but I've sort of danced with uh, down the years, having been asked to interview him regularly, is getting the best out of him. Because I remember um, when he first broke into the team and there was all the 
all the sort of fun um, all over social media, the Instagram stories, the dancing, the jokes, the pranks, taking the mick out of Marcus Rashford for eating weird food in the in the canteen. And and you just wanted to be able to harness that and to try and get that out of him in an interview. And I, I remember sort of speaking at length about how we do this um, and how we sort of try and make Jesse comfortable. And I said, well, just take him out of the normal room that we're normally in take away all the lights, take away the dark, turning the, the house lights off and making it dark and moody and a camera in his face and you can't really see the report and everything. So just put him somewhere bright where he can see everything and we'll talk about something different than the next game and this and that and whatever else. And we went over to the academy building at Manchester United and we sat in one of the dressing rooms in the academy building where he'd changed as a young lad and we just went through pictures on an iPad of his highlights of his time at Manchester United and you could see then Jesse Lingard you got all the moments that you see on social media and you got a genuine love and affection for the club as well and again another example from one interview to now where something has just lost its way the feelings waned on both sides and unfortunately it looks like his future now lies elsewhere as well such a shame Carl isn't it I've got a similar story so uh, in a previous life we for a previous employer I, I helped take part in some interviews with Jesse and his granddad and he's very very close with his granddad uh, who was he a, introduced him to United he took him football training yep yep uh, for, uh, so his granddad's ex rugby league I want to say as well uh, so they've got like a, he's got like a home gym in his garden and Jesse he was telling all the stories about how he tried using some of the weights because he really you know when he got to on the 13 on under 11 stage he's like oh I'm a lot smaller than everyone else maybe I need to bulk up uh, there's a story about how he went into the academy and said can he start doing weight training and the one of the academy coaches went no you're 13 you, you obviously not uh, and I remember you know we finished the interview uh, and I went off to to go get a cup of tea and whatnot and I came back and I was working with some American employees uh, and they said we're trying to subtitle this clip right at the end and we can't make out Lingard's accent because he's saying this thing to his granddad uh, so what accent he goes oh I just you know what is Lingard trying to say here we just need to get it done for subtitles uh, well you know play it for me and he, he's saying something quite fast I went hang on play it again All right, play it for me at 0.5 and he plays it for me and I said oh uh, Lingard's saying you want to go for a Mackey's don't you and these very nice very uh, tech-centric Americans sort of raised their elbow and went, what does that mean? Uh, McDonald's, he's going to take his granddad for a McDonald's afterwards. And it, there, there is so much warmth to Lingard. 100%. Any mistakes he's made have, have been in, in the public eye. I think he's a decent player. It was interesting that Wayne Rooney spoke well of him as a player when he did an interview a few weeks ago, almost saying, if I was Manchester United manager, he, he'd be playing a lot more. And your point, Ian, about coming on for the last 10 minutes. I totally get that. I think maybe United got that wrong. I don't know whether Ralph Rangnick appreciated it. Maybe he gets a run out in front of the away fans and in, in one of the remaining games. But some of the stuff around him, again, and I said the same with Pogba, which not necessarily is his fault, but it reflects against him. When, for example, during a memorial for the 60th anniversary of the Munich air disaster, he tweeted an advert for a computer game. There's only going to be one way that that gets received, and it's not positive. Absolutely. Another one. There was he added his um, Jay Ling's clothing um, logo to a tribute to the Manchester terror attack. It's just so misguided that you wonder who on earth has sanctioned this. 
And again, it goes back to the people who the players employ around them. And if you're going to be a best-in-class footballer, you've got to be a best-in-class person around the, these people. Maybe it's unfair just to highlight the mistake because they have done some good stuff. And I asked my little brother, what do you think of all this beans, beans, dancing? And he loves it. He loves it. So who, who, who are me and my mates of our age to be the judges of what's right and wrong for a behaviour of a, a young footballer who's enjoying himself? And that's all he's doing. It's pretty innocent. But again, it's pretty sad that, that, it, that it has come to this. And all these players are trying to play under the cloud of a football club which has been unstable with changing managers and lurching from left to right. And you know, some fans are too quick to judge. And some fans just moan and moan and moan. And I think that Elizabeth Early could de deliver season tickets and say, they're only a pound this year, and I'm sorry for wearing my bikini and visiting you at home. And some of them would still moan because football clubs are an outlet for frustration for a lot of fans. I see Manchester United as this giant sponge which just soaks in frustration from all these really angry people. <laughs> but at the moment, they've got reason to be angry because this season has been so bad. You can't blame the fans for being frustrated. of the business more than 50,000 tickets have been sold now for Manchester United against Nottingham Forest in the FA Youth Cup final next Wednesday at Old Trafford we'll preview that on the podcast next week there'll be lots of detail across the athletics output on that as well we should wish good luck to our women's team as well this weekend as they face their final match of the WSL season they've got a pretty difficult task they need to beat Chelsea away and hope that Manchester City drop points on the final day to make the Champions League the only issue is that Chelsea need a win to confirm themselves as champions of the WSL but you never know crazy things can happen on the final day so good luck to them uh, and also I guess we should talk about the men's team taking on Brighton Carl you're going have you got anything to say about this game this is the Danny Welbeck derby isn't it uh, I'll be yeah. quite interested in this game um, not just because of Graham Potter and I think he's probably one of the better managers in the bottom half but also uh, I think well, the Brighton games have been quite interesting in, in recent seasons the 3-2 the right at the start of last season where Manchester United scored the winning goal after the final whistle will uh, live long in the memory. So I'm hoping for something uh, that exciting this time around. Yeah, that was quite something, wasn't it? That's probably still to this day the only goal scored after the final whistle in the Premier League. <laughs> uh, that balled a bit of piss that day as well, didn't it? It's a long time since United did that. It's about time we got back to that. Andy, you're looking forward to it? Will you be watching it on the boat? Um, I'll be watching it on, on television, unfortunately. And then I'll be, I will be at the Palace game and I will be at the... Um, You've Cup final, I'm really looking forward to that. And that, that figure of ticket sales is just brilliant. Buzzing, great for the young lads and for the fans as well. What a massive football club that we can do this. There's been a lot of notable games between Manchester United and Brighton since they came back up. For better and for worse, there was one, a really bad one just before Josie Mourinho left. The game at Old Trafford not so long ago, Brighton were really in form. United did, did well in, in that one. So yeah, love it and... I love watching Manchester United play football um, for my sins, and there have been many sins this year, but win, <laughs> win, just like against Brentford, play well, just 
give us some reason for optimism in a season when there's not been enough. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're going to have to end this podcast because I am literally melting in my cardigan in the back of this car. The sun's come out in Burnley. Uh, it's about 400 degrees in here. So before I melt, <laughs> I think it's uh, about time to say goodbye. But Andy, what what's the rest of the day got in store then on the boat? What's happening? Well, my kids are saying they're absolutely starving. So that's the priority. I've got to do some journalism about the state of the cruise industry. But yeah, I, I might be able to... Um, have a drink and have a decent time as well. There's like slides on it and everything. It's absolutely mental. I'm not a normal. I don't normally go on holidays to, to cruise, and I'm not on holiday at the moment. As I get out, stress. I am working on this trip, but yeah, I'm going yeah, to yeah. I'm going to enjoy it and uh, maybe watch uh, West Ham later on in the Europa League. Okay, well, from Carl, thank you for being with us up in the sky in Manchester. Andy, from you, thank you for being with us on a boat in the Mediterranean somewhere. Uh, and I'm going to sign off from the back of a car in a car park on the outskirts of Burnley. But thank you for listening to Talk of the Devils. We'll be back after the Brighton game to review that and, of course, preview United in the FA Youth Cup final. Speak to you then. Bye-bye. The Athletic.